Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 332. And just like the monks, we want to rule with love. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I love you. <laughs> I love you guys too. I am loved. Do you guys have a now good I need week? your consent. <laughs> that I don't get. Yeah, I give love. you my love, but not my consent. <laughs> that went to a really weird place really early. <laughs> How are you? Tired, but good. Long I did, week. I did gutters today. <laughs> <laughs> what me? What First, me this time? This is the since keen listeners will notice that it's been two years since I did gutters. Last. Well, since you've talked about it, anyway. Well, no, no. Since I've done it, I've only done gutters. This is the second time doing gutters in our house. So we've only been at the house a little over two years. So. <laughs> It's exhausting. It is exhausting. I've lived here five years this Christmas. Guess how many times I've done gutters? None. None, because I rent. I'm smarter than you are. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take that long. It only took about an hour and a half. Ugh. And I had gloves, so it wasn't too bad. The difference is he has equity in his home. You don't. Nope. Don't need it. <laughs> yeah, but in 30 years when he retires, he'll be able to use the equity in his home. You won't have anything because you're not putting anything but, but, into it. But what um, will he do with it? He'll retire. turn around and, you know, build an addition on the house for all the kids that Sarah's <laughs> going to have and all the dogs <laughs> that he's going to have. And I wouldn't think so because I think he's going to take out another loan and I, put more equity in I think in the it. idea of that is the, in 30 years, that equity will go into his retirement because they'll and downsize that time because the kids be will be gone. Kids, yeah. yeah, kids will be gone. And, and what will you we'll do? We'll finally get that garage built. <laughs> Unless his grandkids move in with him, which, you know, that might happen too. You, you will either add on to the house or you will leave the house and go traveling and build an, you know, buy well, an RV and that kind of on, stuff. He'll yeah, have something, have to, something spend to buy on an RV with. RV. Yeah. You'll be sitting there going, God, I wish I could have an RV. If I had some equity in my home, I might have been able to buy an RV now. Yeah. I'm just going to go. <laughs> I've got my retirement all planned out. I'm living on cruise ships. Uh, that's, that's the way to do actually, it. Actually, it really is because you can go weeks at a time on a much cheaper oh, scale yeah. than renting for an entire month. So. It's cheaper than nursing homes. They feed you. There's yeah. entertainment, pretty scenery. Yep. Got it all figured out. I'm going to retire next week, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, we got the nursery pretty much all set and ready to go. That was our Saturday project and Sunday project was gutters. Mm. And you, I expect you mowed this week. No, or? we didn't yet. Um we were supposed to. Well, yesterday too. was too That's wet. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday was too wet, so we spent most of the day doing stuff inside. Today, we were going to do outside stuff, and then we've been, uh, since Holly's birthday, we've been talking about going, for her birthday, going to one of the escape rooms. We just didn't have a weekend free until now, so we booked the escape room, but the only time we could book it was kind of like 3.40 in the afternoon, and so it was kind of... To, it was like right in the middle of our day. So I said, all right, we'll just shift, shift everything to tomorrow. We'll do some outdoor stuff tomorrow. And So we went and did a escape room today. We didn't get out of this one. Oh, time. really? Yeah. It, uh, Was it the Conundrum? Yeah, the Conundrum. There are four, I think, different rooms. We picked one that didn't have you know a, a difficult rating on it. But um, it, it was tougher than the one in Omaha. And we got close. We were pleased that we got enough of the clue. I mean, if we'd have gotten stymied really early, I think we'd have been upset. But we got 
we got a good chunk of it out but didn't quite make it we did have to get one hint too there was just one piece and I'm, i won't go into it because i think you guys should do it and if you did end up doing this room i wouldn't want to give it away but there is one portion of it that we completely got stuck we knew that there was a key there we or you know we knew there was a something to solve there but we just could not see it we got a hint and worked that we started to work that out but then i think by that time it was too late and then uh unfortunately that piece of the puzzle we had kind of got a head on so we had missed a, a key element that we probably would have got uh, us through that quicker but otherwise but we're one and one now so yeah, we'll do a good record and see how we do but they're so expensive so <laughs> it's kind of got to space them out a bit but yeah it was fun though we all had a blast that's pretty much it i didn't watch anything this week really i finished i did let me back up a little bit because i don't think i talked too much about this but i've been watching are you being served and of course i finished that last week I finished watching Are You Being Served Again, which is what it's called here, or Grace and Favor, which is what it's called in the UK. So I finished that, which I think was much more enjoyable and a lot funnier than even Are You Being Served, really? and I enjoyed that. So then I went back and I watched the movie that I told you guys that I had mm-hmm. discovered, and it's not so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's It suffers, from I think, from not having a laugh track because you're so used to seeing it and i think there's a lot of jokes that are similar enough that they feel like rehash Uh, and it doesn't quite translate well enough the pacing to movie so it wasn't that great i mean it it wasn't terrible but it's only 70 some minutes long it's the reverse problem that uh naked gun and police squad have i think so yeah the movie's (laughs) funny better as the show is not yeah well (laughs) the show's funny it's just not as good as the it's not just not as well done as the movies i think so yeah Hmm. i did have the reverse problem we went down to Wichita on Saturday. We had a very frustrating Best Buy experience that I won't go into because it'll just serve to make me angry. I'm going to go pick up our uh, steelbook copy of Logan and had to go to Wichita to get it huh? because of said Best Buy problem. Uh, but it was cool because we got to uh, see a friend of mine, Ryan. Uh, Ryan is probably my best friend. I mean, I've known Ryan since like fourth grade. And it's, it's strange because we're just com- two completely different people we're you know different sides of town different sides of the tracks different you know ideologies about stuff we're just two people that you would look at us and go no um, but we went to school together and kind of something about that then you know my mom collected kids growing up where she always felt sorry for other people so whenever we'd go somewhere she'd invite somebody with or we'd go on a weekend to Kansas City or we took Ryan to Colorado with us you yeah. know and just stuff like that because um, she always felt like she could be a, a positive factor in their lives. And to this day, I mean, we just, we're, we we go through, you know, a year or two of not seeing each other, and then we'll see each other for a couple hours and just fall right back into it, like we'll pick up right where we left off. We're just those kinds of friends. So we got to see him and have lunch down in Wichita, which was kind of cool. Picked nice. up our steel book. And then just kind of half-joking about it, we had talked about, well, you know, we could go see a movie of The Warren while we're down here. Especially since it's uh, changing now ownership. Changing ownership to Regal. But uh, I didn't really expect anything to come up, but Mel was like, well, yeah, we could do that. Well, we futzed around so long at lunch that we were in that no man's land of like, well, the show started 20 minutes ago, and now there won't be another one until like six something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, we just went and Pokemon hunted, went down to Old Town, wandered around, and the Pokemon hunting wasn't very good at Old Town. It was much better at the River Market last time we were down there. <laughs> and then saw Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. How was that? was disappointing. Mm-hmm. 
It's okay. It's, it's I don't want to say disappointing. I don't want to make it out like I didn't like it. It's enjoyable for what it is. And it's the fifth film in a franchise. So if you kind of factor in diminishing returns that each sequel is not quite as good as the first one, you have a pretty good benchmark for where you're at with this one. There are a couple of really cool action set pieces. It doesn't have the same visual flair that the other ones do, so they kind of fall a little flat. The biggest problem I have with it is the plot and Johnny Depp. I mean, I love Captain Jack. I really enjoy this character just because he's so fun and nutty and everything. And it's, I don't know, 20 minutes before he shows up in the movie. And he's very passive. Whereas in the other ones, he's actively out there taking part in the adventure. This yeah. one, the adventure's kind of happening and he's just along for the ride. And so it, it, it has a, a, a kind of a weird tone. They tried really hard to tie it in with the really the second film. And so it does wrap up a few little items that you may consider a loose end as far as the series goes. But overall, at the end of it, I was kind of going... We didn't really need this movie, <laughs> so it's okay. But wait for DVD. Don't. don't I waste still the haven't time seen the fourth one, so you know. The fourth one's not as good as the trilogy, but I still like it. I know a lot I of people was, don't like the fourth one. I wasn't overly impressed with two or three either. I liked yeah. one, and that was about it. Then you probably wouldn't like four either. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we didn't get home till uber late. Mm. We got a couple movies in. We watched Passengers, which we both thoroughly enjoyed. Although, I'm not sure how I feel about how the story was structured. Because <laughs> narratively, that's not how I would have told this story. But it's different from what you expect narratively. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know how to say it without spoiling it. Yeah. It's it's a tough one to... It's just... Because once you know that, it, then... It, it narrates like a book, I think. More so than a movie would. Because I think a movie would follow a certain character... Whereas a book would just kind of tell things narratively throughout. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. That's And it, it kind of made me wish that this was based on a book, because I think the book would be probably be even better. But it wasn't. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Definitely worth watching. I don't know why it didn't get better ratings or reviews or anything like that. And Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence did a really good job. And it was pretty. Yeah, it was very well directed. Sarah liked it? Yeah, she did. She liked that it. it was kind of a love story. And then we watched, uh, tonight we watched Hidden Figures, which was pretty good too. I didn't love it, but it was a solid historical drama. Solid <laughs> <laughs> historical. Uh, you know. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's, and it's, what these women accomplished was incredible, especially in the time frame that they did it. I and mean, that's, that's the story to take away from it, the, the amazing things that these three women did. That's all I have really to say about that one. It's, I like that one too. It, it was good. It just wasn't, wow, that was amazing. It's just good. And you still haven't seen either one of those, right? Yeah. Nope. Did you watch Crank 2 yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. Well, let's move on to uh, news. Let's do. So Titan Comics has announced their plans for Doctor Who Comics Day. All new event kicks off with The Lost Dimension. Starting August 30th. Do we have any details on The Lost Dimension? Some. Okay, lay them on me. Because I haven't heard this piece of news. (laughs) So. It's news to me. Peter Capaldi's 12th Doctor is battling the universe's darkest forest in the latest season of Doctor Who, currently airing. But the menace continues for the Doctor with a multi-Doctor storyline, The Lost Dimension, from Titan Comics. This alpha issue kicks off Titan's Doctor Who Comics Day global event and continues in the 9th Doctor special that same week. So you get an alpha issue and then a 9th Doctor issue. And then it continues beyond that. 
The Lost Dimension is an epic event comprised of eight chapters over three months, crossing over all four ongoing series, so 9, 10, 11, and 12. The event will begin a new era for Titans Doctor Who comics, and will find the 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th Doctors playing their part to battle the Void, is what it's called. Hmm. The Void has always existed. No place. The Silent Realm. The Lost Dimension. But the Void is no longer empty. The Void is hungry and devouring our universe through time and space. Now the four Doctors must join forces to save everything. And it is being written by George Mann and Kevin Scott. George Mann is promising. I don't know yeah. who the other guy is. He, like Kevin Scott has been writing the Ninth Doctor ongoing. Oh, okay. We haven't got to those mm-hmm. yet. And has art from uh, Rachel Stott from the Twelfth Doctor and Rod Fernandez. I don't know who Rod Fernandez is, but... There was also going to be uh, special covers, including an embossed foil TARDIS cover. So, for you cover collectors, there's something special. And just at a... Well, I can't say at a glance, but just at a listen, it sounds like this is... When they say multi-doctor event, it's probably not a true multi-doctor event in the... If there's going to be eight parts... I think there's a good chance it's going to actually be a multi-doctor event. But it, well, let me rephrase. It's not that it's not a multi-doctor, but the fact that it's spread over all four of the ongoing lines right now—the ninth, the tenth, oh, the eleventh, the twelfth—I don't think it'll actually be a multi-doctor story. I think the event will span all four of the Doctor's lives. I could be wrong. I don't know, but it seems I'm like going. that's kind of what Titan has done in the past. With well, that's what they did with Supremacy of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. But with the four doctors, that's it was an actual. Which one? The very first one. The very did. first one, yeah. Which was the first Doctor Who Comics Day thing, and then this, this is like the third annual one, I believe. So, yeah. I guess we'll find out in August. Yeah, we'll find out. So we'll just have to get caught up in all the comics, since it's going to be a game changer for Titan Comics, apparently. Ooh, big words. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, our other little bit of news is Gallifrey One announced their first round of guests. The guests include Sylvester McCoy, Sophie Aldred, Camille Caudry, Noel Clark, Fraser Hines, Terry Malloy, Lisa Bowerman, Sarah Dollard, who just wrote Thin Ice, uh, Jamie Matheson, Peter Harness, Rachel Talalay, Lawrence Goff, and a whole bunch of other writers and behind-the-scenes people that uh, you should go to their website to check out. But those are the big names so far. Excellent news for those of you that have tickets. (laughs) Not bitter at all. Especially not bitter that Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout is opened at Disneyland, and I don't have an alternate excuse to go (laughs) to L.A. in February. And take advantage of that, because I don't have tickets to Galley. Did you hear how long that line was on opening day? Like five hours. Yeah, I actually I thought I thought I saw seven at one. Oh, point. seven. Clear across the park. I loved all the people commenting on the the press release stuff that they were you know messaging James Gunn like yeah we wrote it like eight times and they kicked us out. <laughs> <laughs> And Gunn said, yeah, I wrote it when it was still incomplete, and I wrote it like six times. I couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to go! Well, that's it for news. Let's move on to feedback. 
Sean, you have Odd Duck Phils. I have Odd Duck Phils. Odd Duck Phil writes, Subject, I'm probably wrong, but... <laughs> hey, who Peekins. Not really a feedback as it's Wednesday, and I haven't seen this week's episode yet. But something popped into my brain. I wanted to share it. Hopefully to get your take. It's a crazy theory I'm sure is way off, but... Well, just hear me out. Okay, so I suppose potential spoiler warning in case he's right. <laughs> Moffat introduced us to Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey. He also gave us the River Song story arc that showed two time travelers interacting nearly back to front with first meeting for one being the last goodbye for the other. Messing around with the conventions of time seems to be in his wheelhouse. So if this is his last hurrah, why not give it another go? When John Sims' master bowed out, it seemed like the relationship between him and the doctor was definitely on the mend. So why is it then that Missy shows up and it's back to business as usual? It struck me as odd that they never really deal with that change. I get maybe we shouldn't talk about how the master returned. It's Doctor Who, you just go with it or I'll explain later. And then Glenn says, it's not Missy in the box, it's John Sims' master in the box. What if the Master's regenerations aren't in the order in which they've been presented to us? Ooh. The Master time travels nearly as much as the Doctor, so who's to say that Sim's Master precedes Missy? Maybe the order is Gomez, Jacoby, Sim. I don't remember Missy ever talking about what happened between Tenant's Doctor and Sim's Master, or anything to suggest that she has knowledge of those encounters. Yeah, yeah, I'm wrong. I rarely spot the turn prior to the reveal, but when that popped into my head, I did get a bill of a chill down my spine. Hopefully I'll be able to knock out a feedback for the pyramid at the corner of 5th and Main right across from Denny's. <laughs> no, the good Denny's. Yeah, if you hit the gas station, you've gone too far. Prior to the podcast. Hot Duck Phil. That's the episode title, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you want to weigh in on his theory, Glenn? Well, we, we uh, I suppose I could because this week didn't even touch on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like it. Sound theory. There's another theory out there postulated by another podcast that I'll put out there. A potential spoiler warning here if this ends up being the case. <laughs> that um, Missy, that John Sam is in the box because Missy wants to kill him so that she'll, he'll regenerate into her. Uh-huh. And she wants to go back to being bad. John Sim redeemed himself basically at the end of end of time by sending the Time Lords back to Gallifrey and saving the Earth and the Doctor in the process. And so she knows that he has to die. And the theory is that the Doctor is protecting John Sim's master so that Missy can't uh, kill him and regenerate, which I thought was an interesting theory as well. I think the difficulty you have with that is we have no idea. And so they're all great theories. And I think that I think. I wouldn't put it past Moffat to do something like that because he's done it in the past. Oh, yeah. But that seems a little more complicated than where Moffat wants to go with this. And so I don't know that I subscribe to Phil's theory, but I like it. I think it's a good I think it's a good theory. The other thing hmm. that I wanted to bring up is all of our readers and, or all of our listeners and you guys were talking about, uh, well, now it's obvious that Missy's in the box. And last week I kept thinking, why does people think Missy is definitely in that box? The only thing I could think was because they saw the box in the water 
and they it's, saw it's the doctor pick implied. up Missy. It's yeah. heavily implied, but we don't, we don't know that we Missy's know in that box. Sure, and no. so then I thought, well, I, you know, I didn't watch the next week on Doctor Who. Maybe it, she showed up in that and she's in the box. And so I watched the next week on Doctor Who before I got to this episode, <laughs> and it didn't have it in there as well. And I thought, I think people are falling for the gimmick that Moffat has laid, the breadcrumbs, to make everybody think it's Missy. And that's why I still think it's going to be John Sims' master in the box and not Missy. So we never see Missy go into the box. No, we don't. It's Although he does talk to the vault at the end of last week's episode, and he says Missy. but I don't think he said Missy. Yeah. But again, that could be the part of the misdirection because he may not be directly. Well, that's probably where everybody's getting that, that Missy's in the box because he does say that. But I, just, I still go back it, to Pop Goes until, the Weasel until <laughs> we until we see who comes out of that box. I'm oh, still yeah. not convinced it's Missy. I think it, could I be, think it's I think it's I still think it's probably Johnson's. You know that other theory you floated. That's a really kind of an interesting idea from the standpoint that it suddenly gives the master a Valyard. <laughs> kind of yeah. story, but not because oh what a shocking idea that one of his regenerations is bad. Just that, <laughs> he's just impatient. Hurry up and die. Yeah, I don't know. That's well, it's kind so, of a cool idea, and it is kind of the the flip of the Valyard because one of his regenerations is now good. <laughs> you know, that's the one part I don't know if I could use the word redeemed himself <laughs> because let's be honest. The Master prevented the Nestine Consciousness from taking over Earth and Terror of the Autons. Because he had to. (laughs) Not exactly. It was his plan. He just had to stop it from going to fruition. Again and again and again and again. But in the end of time, I mean, the Master had as much to gain as as Rassilon and the other Gallifreyans that were ready to ascend to that next level. In fact, they offered him the opportunity. He basically said... You know, they they basically said, you know, we can do this with you, and so, I mean, they that's used that's him. a stronger motivation. They used him as a tool, and so I think ultimately, had they not used him as a tool, he probably wouldn't have done what he did. But because he also was looking for vengeance against them for what they had done for so many years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it was it was it a selfless act to save the earth, or was it no 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 screw selfish, you? Yeah, <laughs> Which, uh, I think it was that more than selfless. More, act either way, though, he did choose the doctor over the time lords, so choose to save the doctor over the time lords so yeah, i suppose see but, but, but the fact that he chose the doctor feeds into especially when Mil- missy first showed up talking about how the doctor's his girl her girl her, her boyfriend yeah. and no i how, think how, how they're besties and whatnot it, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it's off it's often fun to speculate where moffat's going but we really won't know until moffat goes there so <laughs> i just keep keying back into the interview in doctor who magazine or what he wrote in Doctor Who magazine about you will be genuinely surprised to see what's in the box. And I don't think he would say that if he's going to leave enough breadcrumbs to, for us to think it was Missy in that box. What's in the box? So, but we'll, hopefully we'll see next week in the uh, third part of this. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we will. Did you not believe me? When, no, I totally believe I, I should you. say, I just... behind the scenes here, I kept putting three up. In fact, before in the show notes, I said the three parts. And then you guys, when you were talking about it, said then you know in the the next part, or somebody even referred to it as the the finale of this, and I kept putting my fingers up with three. <laughs> I just I sensed that it was going to go three parts. Not to mention these particular three episodes are written by well they're co-written, but they're they all yeah. specifically have Stephen Moffat's name on them. So I knew it had to be three parts. It just yep. it was the writing was in the sand, <laughs> in the sand, in the Tunisian sand. <laughs> Well, Phil did get some more feedback in. 
He continues, subject, yay, or woo! I did that wrong. <laughs> a Ric Flair sound clip. That's totally not a Ric Flair sound. I'll just edit that out you and put in a Ric Flair, Rick Flair, Flair sound, clip. sound clip in there. Yay, or woo! <laughs> 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 See, that's a much better reaction. I'll use that one. <laughs> hey, who beacons? As the subject alludes to, I really liked the pyramid at the end of the world. I loved the monk's invasion plan, and I'm actually surprised no one's tried it before. Or have they, and I'm just not remembering. Stupid memory worms. I love that in the end, the doctor's refusal to tell others of his blindness thwarted a plan that nearly foiled the monk's. I loved Erica, and I'm always glad when the show winks at the audience and the doctor points out what we're all thinking at home. That person would be a great companion. See, he's auditioning. <laughs> all the time. Always. And I absolutely loved how the end of the world almost came to be. No alien attack, no global thermonuclear war, no madman pursuing domination or destruction. No, the end was nearly brought about by a couple of mistakes and oversights. And that somehow seems the most likely way for this world to end, I think. And while I was shocked when the doctor recommended attacking the pyramid, I took some solace in that I wasn't alone. Nardle and Bill's, wait, what? responses echoed my own. Although in hindsight, I can excuse this a bit. I wonder if the doctor chose this course of action as a test to see how thorough the monk's simulation was. Was it so out of character that maybe the monks could not have expected it? Oh well, I'm now thoroughly psyched for the conclusion of this little trilogy, and I hope that the rest of the season keeps this pacing and feel. Looking forward to your thoughts and the thoughts of other listeners, Odd Duck Phil. Thanks, Odd Duck Phil. Always a pleasure. Yes. And we will reply with our thoughts momentarily. But first, Holly. Holly writes, The Pyramid at the End of the World. Hey guys, well if Extremis last week was the start of a three-part story, Pyramid fits the middle act of a three-parter. Wished it would have been Unit crashing Bill and Penny's nightcap instead of the UN. The Doctor being president of the whole world, wow, talk about a big job. Like the Doctor walking around his TARDIS and playing the guitar again. The monks kind of remind me a bit of the sisters of the spinning wheel of fates deciding who or what event to cut and win. Bill finally knows that the Doctor can't see and the look on the Doctor's face when he realizes what Bill has done when he gets his sight back. Can't wait to see how this all shakes out and figures into the rest of the season with the Vault and Missy. Looking forward to your review of this episode, Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Holly. Holly. And of course, you can send us feedback by going to our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab, or send it directly to feedback at TravelingTheVortex.com. And of course, you can also reach out to us through any form of social media. And now... Our thoughts. The pyramid at the end of the world. An ancient pyramid appears overnight. Every clock in the world begins counting down to the Earth's destruction. Three opposing armies lie ready to annihilate each other. An alien race stands ready to offer humanity a deal that could save them, but enslave them. It is a terrifying race against time to save the world. Will the doctor be forced to accept their help? Bum, bum, bah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of one of those, being a middle part, I feel like I have to fully reserve judgment until I see the final act. I had a mu- I had much more fun with the ride part of this one than, than last week. 
Yeah. Um, which I really liked. And I thought to myself, oh, this kind of sort of fixes a little bit of last week with, you know, the when they get into the pyramid and the monks are there in front of the, the string bit, which, first of all, was just a really cool effect that was brilliantly realized. It really, I think, helped sell the whole Matrix-style scenario of they're running all these simulations and yeah. this is how this... It, it, I needed that visual to kind of make this part work for me. So in that respect, it fixed it. But the opening part where Bill is describing to her date all of the stuff that happened in the dreamland, okay, how does she know all that? <laughs> Let me. Because the, the only way she could have got that information yeah. is if she had told the doctor all of that and then he relayed it back to Bill which I have a problem with because, A, that seems like a lot of unnecessary exposition that the doctor simply wouldn't have cared about. <laughs> eh. Let me uh, let me interject. Go for it. Because I had, to, I had to rationalize this for myself, but more importantly for my family, who was very <laughs> confused by that. I think ultimately what we have to do, and this is more headcanon and presupposition, but I think you have to think of it as when the doctor sent the final file to the doctor when simulated doctor sent the file he must have sent enough information to at least to what we saw in the episode to play out so that the doctor then relayed that information to bill who then in turn is relaying that information to penny i got the impression just by the way they presented the simulation to us that it it wasn't the doctor's perspective through the simulation right. that he was seeing. And it wasn't he was Bill's. Literally, it was the recording of the simulation. Yeah. So uh, what we saw was what, what the saw, doctor saw. Exactly. And that's what he sent to the doctor. Because at the point that the doctor in the simulation realizes that he's nothing but a program, that he's ones and zeros, at that point he can send whatever data he needs to send to the doctor. So I don't think he sent the details that were within the book. I don't even think he sent the details that were recorded from the book that he got the information from. I think what he did is he sent the information of the, at least what we saw to the doctor through who at some time between episodes relayed that information back to Bill and yeah. explained to Bill what had happened to her. And because he tells her to call Penny in the last episode and she doesn't know who Penny even is. So she it wouldn't be that wouldn't be information coming from her recognizing what happened in the thing. She's she, he called Penny, and I have a feeling he explained more as to why she should call Penny and then explained to her what happened to her in the simulation. Yeah. And then the doctor comes to the big stringy thing in this one and says, oh, the simulation looks much different from the outside. So we yeah. get the impression that he at least got a visualization or some data that referred him to what it looked like from the inside. And he knew what Bill and Nardle were, had gone through there because he saw the simulation from that point of view from that perspective or at least was aware of it from their perspective when they real they walked into the room with the projectors yeah so yeah. i think in my summation the simulated doctor relayed everything he needed to know to the doctor who then in turn told bill and that's why bill was able to relate the story to penny i would okay. concur it seems like more information than the doctor would have given bill but okay <laughs> eh. i mean just the fine details well, of how her date went uh, you know. He wouldn't care. <laughs> but I think maybe he wondered how much of it would be important for, because if it was a simulation of things that could or were going to happen, he may have needed her to know. So when she was in that situation, she would know what to look out for. Yeah. In fact, so much so that when the Pope showed up was pretty much the time, the point where the uh, 
UN <laughs> the president of the UN showed up. So it was like, uh, okay, that was a that was a funny little thing. My kids immediately went, oh, no, it's got to be another simulation because now this guy's shown up. And I said, no, and that was where we had to stop it. And I had to explain that I think they just had that foreknowledge from the information that simulation doctor sent to the doctors. Yeah. Got it. So, yeah, still on the fence with last week's episode now because of that. But it, it, it fixed it a little bit. That's not to say that this week wasn't without problems. I, I had a few and many. <laughs> Probably more many than a few, but the ride was so enjoyable that, again, as you pointed out, Keith, I kind of feel like I just need to wait for the well, next part before I can... Unfortunately, looking at the next time trailer, I don't know if any of the problems you might have will be resolved next Probably week. Probably not. Because it seems like it's on to a whole new story arc. Like, not a, a new story arc, but it's a new new setting, it's a new story in what they're doing next week as opposed to a continuation from this week well but this one but was, it connects still this one connected in such a way that gap. this was a whole different uh, this was kind of a different scenario and story though too and only connected from the fact that we find out the who monks. the monks yeah. are yeah, yeah. so and, and that's i think going to be the only thread continuing into the next week that's what i kind of wondered too is if this was a halfway point set up for the rest of the series that, that you know bill's going to have to make retribution for what she did um possibly yeah I, I wonder how far they're going to carry that out obviously the doctor gets his eyesight back i don't know i i kind of got i, I watched well, the next loses time it again right i watched the no, next I'm time thinking of extremists yeah i'm i watched it again on i watched the next time on doctor who and i looked at it and kind of felt like it tied in more than you're saying that it does it well, really looks like uh next week is ramifications of her decision yes absolutely and i think that that but i think not, we'll get a, a semi uh resolution yes based on i i would i would concur i'm just the virus and the pyramid i think we're that's all behind us now is what i mean i think we're moving on with something different and it will have that we're dealing with the ramifications like you said and it's the monks and what they're what they're doing now that they are in control i liked it from the standpoint of what exactly what you're saying about i really enjoyed the ride I thought it had a lot of clever visual things, but this and Extremis both have felt like eye candy with no substance. But there's a lot of visual effects. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of... Uh, I, I, I keep feeling like we're going to get something out of the episode, and then it's almost like it leaves me just a little empty by the time they get to the end, and I have a feeling that's because it's part one, part two, and we still haven't got the resolution of the entire thing. So it's there's some void of satisfaction for me so far because we haven't gotten a resolution to what's going on here it's cotton um, candy it's light and fluffy and very pretty but i don't feel so good by the time i'm done eating all <laughs> well it. not even so much that but you couldn't have that for dinner you know yeah it's, yeah it's light and fluffy and fun but you can't have that for dinner you've got to have something satisfying and i think we'll get maybe the main course next week but i really like the gal from the lab um and I, I, I kind of like, I'm with Phil. I thought that was a, a clever situation to make it, you know, yeah. you, the first thing you go to is into the world scenario is all the things that he listed in his, in his feedback. And it was none of those. It was a simple mistake. And it was a simple mistake based on, it's interesting that Holly brought up the Sisters of Fate because it's almost that idea of fate is what put them in that situation because he went out drinking the night before. Mm -hmm. She got her glasses broke in the door when she put her bag in there to uh, hold the door open when she was going to unload her car. And so it's that it's that simple of a fact that he, you know, 
couldn't stay awake because he had been drinking the night before and she didn't have her greeting glasses so she relied on him to do it I thought that was an interesting take and very unexpected she was relying on him to input that yeah yeah okay and he that did fixes one of the right problems I had he was it. still suffering from his hangover. well I when the when the glasses got broke I was like oh okay this is you know I see where you're going all right cool but then nothing ever she says, can you input that because I broke my reading glasses. I, I just didn't... Or my reading glasses got broken. That never yeah. really f- entered into that that was the problem. Yeah. I knew he screwed up because I saw the decimal She normally would have done it. Okay. But he ends up doing it for yeah, her. Yeah, no, I just kept waiting for the glasses to play a factor, and they didn't. Yeah. And so then I was angry because I was like, what well, was this, a MacGuffin? What were you setting me up with this for? But now I... Okay, yeah, yeah. that makes she a lot more sense. She clearly says it, too. Can you mix it? Yeah, I, I just didn't realize that that was broke. the... Yeah. That was the linchpin. I was that expecting a bigger, so that was you know, neat. she's and trapped I, in the lab doing liked, something. and then yeah. I like the doctor auditioning her <laughs> or, <laughs> or spotting that she would be an a yeah. excellent companion, which also, again, like the comics did for me, had me going, well, let's have hers be the companion <laughs> next. And if Bill's going to leave, then let's have yeah. her be the companion. My only problem with the whole lab plot line, which I, I, I agree, I thought it was a really clever thing, the fact that that's the end of the world and not these three superpowers poised on a trigger mm-hmm. but the fact that I, I know that they kind, of, they kind of fixed it later with well the entire air system is going to filter it out and that's going to cause the problem but the fact that the guy didn't close the door, the airlock doors behind him, that it was leaking out uh, even if he wasn't hung over, even if he was hung over that's still enough he sh- should have been able to do that I have a bigger problem with the idea that you work in an environment that requires a clean room, requires you to wear these suits, and requires <laughs> you, you to <laughs> put a helmet on to go into that room, and you took your helmet off. I don't care if you're going to feel After sick. After everything died. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, he, I guess okay, he, he waited a month. I don't care. If you're in that room, that hat stays on. If you feel like you're going to be sick, you leave the room. I, and I just, and the, at, as at the soon least, as he did as it, I was like, as, as soon yeah. as they died, you put the thing back on. Yeah. Even even if it might be too late, that's something to try to protect but then he yourself. Opens up, he opens up the thing and he's in there scooping with it in the hood off. With, with, maybe, yeah. maybe, okay. maybe right. I could buy it if the glass door had still been closed. Yeah. But the minute he opened it up with the hood off, I was like, you're dead. You're dead. That's so dead. You've got to have the, you've got to have the device that delivers the plot, and that's the vi- well, device yeah. that delivers the plot. I'm actually more forgiving of that. I think the guy's an idiot, but he's an idiot, and that's why <laughs> it gets out. That's that's the device. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how brilliance. how stupid I think the guy is. It needed that vehicle to get it out. The other thing. That, but see, that's the problem I have with it. I mean, I, I understand you're right. I understand you need to move the bus from A to B to C, uh, and that's is, what they used. But if I and I, I have this problem with everything, not just thing. with Doctor it's, Who. It's, it's a trope. This is, this and it's lazy writing. A, this isn't just his thing. It's it happens all the time. It's it's a familiar trope. It's something that happens, and it, you're right. It is an easy way. It, to it just sets my plot, hackles but, off because it's like you're a scientist. You got to be a scientist by being smart. You can't be dumb and be a scientist. That's not how it works. You have to study. You have to learn things, and you have. You, then you go into this job and you do this. Okay, so he showed up for work hungover. Eh, all right, I can. You know, he's human as well as smart, but yeah, he's human. But then to pull that thing is like, no, you've just 
you've ruined any credibility this guy had other than as a plot device yeah, now. Well, so it just kind of sucked me right device. out of that. But now. I think the other thing that I have with that is I also have to put myself in that scenario. Would I have done that? No. But this is a scenario that they maybe they've drilled on it before. Who knows? But he's not thinking once they realize that this toxin's uh, in the air. Yeah. He's not thinking. He's not thinking clearly. Coupled on the fact that he is hungover and he's clearly having effects and he's tired because she tells him to knock off under the thing for a while because she recognizes he's tired enough. You do some stupid things when you're tired. It's not your own fault most of the time. What well, was his fault because he got drunk in the first place? But <laughs> So I guess I'm a little forgiving about that. The other thing that I found was interesting is my family had a problem with the fact that they thought the doctor was going to have to blow up the entire facility. And that was the plan. <laughs> he said, well, I kind of got the impression too originally, but he said that, you know, once he burns it off, it was producing, uh, she said it's producing methane gas. So he comes up with the idea, we'll just burn it off. Holly and Caitlin both are saying, well, as soon as you blow this building up, you're going to excess, you're going to let off any excess that there is. And I said, well, not necessarily because if it's, producing ethos or ethos if it's producing methane then it's going to completely accelerate the virus before it can get anywhere yeah but that being said they fixed it even more by he was just exploding that inner lab and in turn the outer lab because he they had they had three levels (laughs) and i think that was another thing that they missed is they said well they would have taken it out to the outer outer lab or they would have taken out out outside the lab and i had to point out that there there are three areas there's the area with the plants there's the area they were working and then she ended up outside even that mm-hmm. and that's what he blew up so i hope everybody understood that he just had to burn out the contaminant within those two right. areas so who knows what kind of damage it would right. have done but um, no i was totally with oh, you definitely thinking did that, a lot of damage within those two labs but <laughs> i was totally thinking that the whole lab the whole building was going up until that visual and i was like Oh yeah, okay. That yeah. may <laughs> at least was going to contain it. In there. And oddly enough, his response of "I'm going to blow it up" much more appropriate this week than in Smile. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally okay with blowing this one up. Yeah, but again, it, I what I thought was the most important thing to come away from this one was the doctor, as Phil even pointed out, this that the doctor putting off telling Bill, yeah, so long that it ended up being his demise, and that being the thing that stymied him when he was trying to get out he couldn't see the numbers so he couldn't see the numbers to get out and what a brilliant way of playing around the visual that he gets from the sonic glasses which i originally had a problem with that and i didn't bring it up but i've retconned that myself because of all of the suggestions that we've kind of gotten along the years that the sonic is telepathic to some extent I don't believe that the sonic glasses are actually transmitting this data, and this is what he can quote-unquote see. I think it's just tapped directly into yeah, his brain, right and it's presenting that kind of visual. And it worked so well when they gave us the visual earlier that he could see the pad, but not what was on the right. pad. Yeah, yeah. Because when he got locked in there, and Mel's like, Bill, you're on a you're on a smartphone. Just you know, take a That's picture of it. Everything. Does he not have a cell phone? And it's like, it's no, because like, you can't see it. And it was like, okay, Caitlin yeah. Said, yeah, but well, she could just FaceTime face Yeah. <laughs> so she could see she and see tell what him. he was Oh, I hadn't thought it. about that. No, I don't think he does have a phone. I don't though. think he does either. Because <laughs> they were talking through, he, like... He has a phone. He just didn't have them at that time. Yeah, I guess. Uh, they had some sort of communication device, but it wasn't... He was talking through the glasses. Right. His but, communication device happens to be in the glasses. Nardles is in his button. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I, I but maybe the glasses I completely see could why have that tapped work, into that no. signal. I don't know. There's probably yeah. a way to fix that, but <laughs> but I still thought it was it cool. No, I was drama. forgivable of the fact yeah. that yeah. I couldn't do it because I I I envisioned the glasses the same way as that they're sending they're sending they're sending information to his mind that is translating into the images that he sees because they are somewhat psychic right. or at least a way to tap into his synapses and deliver the information that he needs. So. I was very, very pleased with the three military minds just agreeing not to fight each other. Yeah. That was such a cool moment that then was shattered five minutes later when they were like, yep, we're going to go surrender. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I he agree. He reverted to type again. We're but, just going to go do something. It's like, doesn't the president of Earth outrank everybody in that room? Shouldn't he have given a... Here's an executive order. I think Don't it, go. Here's the problem that I find with that. And this probably is retconning it as well or fixing it as well. But they all realize, because the doctor keeps driving the point home, that he's not human. He's not from Earth. Even if he's got this title of president of Earth. He, it's not his planet. It's not his planet. And so ultimately, I think what they do is they default to, this is our decision because it is our planet. It's not his. Oh, and at one point, he, he even says, it's up to you guys, but yeah. don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when he and, should have probably just said, just don't do it. And I think it yeah, even worked really well, because when the president of the UN, or the UN director, says, well, yeah, you, you have my consent, and he realizes it's out, they, you know, that he does the little touchy thing, and he goes, no, it was out of fear. So when they do it, I kind of thought, oh, okay, well, even because they did the, you know, the friendship thing over, yeah, we, we won't go to war. Then when they do it and they say you did it out of strategy, I didn't see that coming. I didn't. Oh, he's yeah. like, oh, no. that was very, that was some clever writing there. They did it out of strategy, and that's what we did. They military minds. They did it out of strategy. It was a strategy to, to save themselves and save the planet. And so it really works that the doctor is put in the situation that he's put in, and Bill does it for him, not because yeah. of love of the gods that they want to be, but for love of of the doctor. And so that really worked for me. So I thought that was a and friendship. Writing. I didn't. There's no romantic love, no, no, obviously, no, on no, those yeah, parts. Yeah. So just to drive that home for love, anybody love, that's no, out there that's no, complaining, love, love oh, it's trans- a love thing. Love transcends very different relationships. It is a friendship love. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the main thing about the story. It's it's setting up all the dominoes so they fall into a certain place for the resolution next week. Yeah. And because the the blindness and all the stuff at the lab has to be this way in order for Bill to say to give consent and save the doctor and therefore set up the conflict for next week. That's I mean, an excellent analogy because you know, how many times do you watch one of these videos with dominoes and you sit there and you're very impressed by the, the yeah. visualization but you're not satisfied until they get to all the way to the end of the mm-hmm. domino stream. And when it fa- that last one falls, you feel satisfied because it made it all the way through. That's kind of the analogy yeah. that you yeah. put. It doesn't matter how cool or pretty it is in the midtime. You watch all the way until yeah, the last one goes over. You're not satisfied until it's, all of those dominoes have fallen. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening here. You could say that with any episode, too. But in the, this case, well, it's, the, the it's obvious is, because we're doing three It's not the res- result. Exactly. It's not over yet. And most of the episodes, actually all of the episodes this season, with the exception of these two, had a resolution at the end. Yeah, so. yeah. mostly. Well, Other than the overall yeah. plot, you know. Right. No, I'm right there with you. Like I said, I, I, I enjoyed the ride so much. I just It was a fun, fast-paced, bop, 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 and big things happening. But it, it was just like, mm, not quite the little things that just didn't add up. But I can forgive all of that 
if the resolution when I when that last domino falls, it's like, oh, okay, you can make this all okay. I'm not even asking you to explain away certain things. Just make the ride overall worthwhile, and that will help smooth that transition. Because I, I was thinking about this and how I would not necessarily compare, but with last week's episode and this week's episode, you know, being the setup for this week and the different nature of it. And what I was really struck by was Sleep No More, which, you know, I think we liked the idea of it. We just didn't like how it was executed. But with that particular story, it's really the only way you could execute it. There just wasn't really another way to tell that. And I think last week's episode kind of falls into that. I think the minute they set it up as it's a simulation, it's a program, you have to tell it from the from within the program. That's yeah. where the emotional boom is. And if you tell it any other way, it's, then it really becomes, well, who cares? You know? Well, and uh, unlike last week, Sleep No More, I think, was written with the idea of let's do a found footage. Okay, how do we do a found footage with this idea? Whereas opposed to... Yeah, no, I I agree. This was... It's, it's the reverse. This one's story first, but this is how you tell the story. Sleep No More was gimmick first, and... Yes. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree with yeah. you there. That's definitely the feel of it. But it just that was the first thing that I could really latch on to that went, okay, because I mulled over it all week long going, is there a way to f- fix last week's episode? Not having seen this week's. And that was the only correlation I came up with, is I just, I liked the idea, but I didn't like how you went about telling me the idea but I don't think you can tell me that idea any other way than the way that you did. Having seen this week's episode now, I'm kind of still in that camp because there's just no way to tell that particular story. So now I'm hoping that the resolution really helps justify. And like I said, they went a long way with the strings. That just, for some reason, that visual really went, oh, okay, that's why this was important. And I don't know why. I really don't understand why I needed that picture to, to marry it's not like I didn't get it I just all of a sudden it, it made much more help. sense yeah. to me oh, I think uh, one of the things that Peter Moffat does that a lot Steve of Peter Moffat Stephen Moffat <laughs> Stephen Moffat does that a lot of people a lot of writers don't do a lot of writers will write a story and each individual story has a beginning and an end and then afterwards there's that gotcha we're going to carry this over Stephen mm. Moffat seems to, when he writes these multi-part stories, seems to write them as one long story. And so while you still get a cliffhanger, you don't get a beginning, end, and then a gotcha, and then a beginning, yeah. and end, and a gotcha, and then a beginning, and a gotcha. You get a beginning, a gotcha, a gotcha, and then an end. You know? <laughs> so um, I think we're used to that style of television, especially story writing, where you have a episode that somewhat resolves itself by the end and then gives you a cliffhanger. Whereas Moffat is writing this as one large episode, mm-hmm. even though it starts to feel like a beginning and end resolution, because even last week's kind of had that, but it feels a little more open-ended. And so the gotcha almost feels like end of act one, <laughs> act two, yeah, end of act two, act three. And so I think he's got just a little different style of writing. And he's, he's even in, even with his, um, all of the two-parters he's around. Now, when you look at Blink or you look at... Um, well, I can't think of another one that he's written that wasn't a two-parter now. But Blink, you know, was kind of... During the RTV era. Yeah. I can't even think of any of this since he's been showrunner that weren't I mean, all of the ones from 
showrunner has been Christmas specials, but yeah, yeah. I guess so. Like he Christmas has he has able to do that with Christmas specials. Even then, some of those have been tying in the mythology yeah, of the season, too, certainly too. But I guess my my point is is even when he wrote two parters in the Russell T Davis era, those were very much. We're not even going to give you an ending here. We're just going to hang on this, and then we'll pick it back up next week. And I think he's done that now with this. And he's done a little more to feel like individual episodes, but he's still writing in that style. So I think that's why they feel like they're they're to me, feel like they're empty up until we finally get a resolution. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Possible exception would be uh, Good Man Goes to War and Let's Kill Hitler. But that might be colored just because there was a break in between the seasons waiting for it to come back. But I, I kind of feel like Let's Kill Hitler is more of a separate story that, yes finishes off some of the leftover dangling threads but it's not yeah because really I, yeah, I, structured as a two-parter good no, man really goes to war though. was certainly written as a in the same style as a series finale yeah mm-hmm. but maybe with not. a cliffhanger ending so but yeah you might be right i mean that's certainly why those two feel more like that i also like the as phil mentioned the fact that the monks aren't just an invading army they're just they show up and they're waiting to be asked to to, to save the world and then that's how they take over I think that's a really clever idea it's really kind of um, parallels the Egyptian gods mm-hmm. in the sense that they, they come and they just want to be worshipped with love and I mean all the way down to them being in a pyramid I mean and then <laughs> taking the form of corpses corpses because that's what they envision people as the, the Egyptian gods did the same thing they took on appearances that the ancient Egyptians would recognize so that so we, we didn't know well, supposedly you don't know what the Egyptian gods really looked like because they put forth an image these guys are doing the same thing so there's a lot of parallels to Egyptian mythology mm-hmm. here right down to the fact that there's a pyramid. they were human up to the neck and then they were green squiggles with a big eye right in the <laughs> just that one <laughs> The other ones had hair, heads of dogs, <laughs> hawks. <laughs> the ones that got the masks right. Anything else? I think so. I think Any so. other thoughts? It's going to be kind of a wait and see. I think so, too. I think we just have to wait until next week and see where we go. All right, Sean, what we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next week on the schedule is British Fest, which is in Omaha, Nebraska. So if you are in that area, you should definitely come out and meet us at least glenn and i will be there keith is opting to stay home with the uh very large i can say that now because i saw her this week <laughs> i didn't realize how big sarah was getting last um, weight uh the baby was four pounds 12 ounces oh wow if that's accurate we are now 40 days to go 40 days to go six weeks so they didn't feel comfortable coming with us to the trek to to, to omaha <laughs> i can't say i blame them but uh, you can come meet glenn and myself and Terry Malloy, who was Davros, and Fraser Hines, who was Jamie, and Colin Spall, Spall, who has played multiple characters on Doctor Who, and see Tom Baker's life model decoy, and a TARDIS console, and canine, and bag end, and all kinds of other cool British stuff, if you're in the area. We will be watching The Seeds of Death for Friday Night Who next week, parts one through three. Not to be confused with the Tom Baker Seeds of Doom, which I do every single time because those titles are just too close. This is the Patrick Troughton and the Ice Warriors and a lot of soap bubbles. 
Although you may not get the soap bubbles in the first Probably three not parts. The first three. I think it's in the second half. But it's the first three parts of Seeds of Death uh, with Patrick Troughton because we're celebrating Jamie uh, being at British Fest. And then uh, will be our show on the third part of this maybe trilogy, maybe quadrilogy. We're not really sure where Moffat's <laughs> going at this point. Uh, do we have a is the Lie of the Land? Is that the official? That's the name of the episode. Yes, okay. The Lie of the it, Land. At one point, it was also rumored to be called The Truth, and I think The Lie of the Land is a much better title. Is there a play on words going on there? Most definitely. Probably. We'll find mm-hmm. out. And if you are already supporting us as a Patreon uh, supporter, thank you very much. And if not, there is a button where you can uh, support us on a monthly basis. Just go to our website, travelingthevortex.com. Please consider that and also consider clicking through some of the links on our page. All of that money goes right back into this podcast. We do want to mention the Goodreads contest. We're going one more week here um, because we said till the end of May, and we are actually reporting recording the day before May ends. So we are going to uh, announce the winner next week. So you have one more day, although as this goes out, you probably will have run out of time. But uh, we will announce our winner on June. <laughs> we plan that, so. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will announce our Well, it depends on how fast we get it turned between Sean and I. But we will announce our uh, winner on the next show, and we do have somebody in the lead right now, so. Dun, dun, uh, get those dun. in. <laughs> All right. Anything else we need to cover before we close the show? I don't think so. If that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. For now, Dick Clark. So long. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.